it's important to think about how we are doing our consumption. You know, how are we consuming consciously as and start becoming more educated and what is the impact of what we are choosing and how that has an impact in the world around us. Well, hello and welcome uh, to all our listeners. Welcome to another episode of our Partners in Time podcast. And today I'm honored to be joined not only by one, but two very special guests to talk about sustainability, the way we live and all things timekeeping. Now, today I'm joined by two very passionate sustainability advocates. It's on the one hand, the legendary Giselle Bündchen and our very, very own Franziska Axel. Uh, Giselle, of course, you would have heard of is, uh, of course, one of the most successful models of all time, really one of the defining faces of an era. And she's been a long serving member of the United Nations Environmental Programme as a goodwill ambassador. And I think that's since 2009. And she's been involved continuously with numerous environmental and societal initiatives. And she's been honored by a number of universities, Harvard and UCLA, for that matter, for a long time commitment to good causes. And she's also IWC's, and now this is a bit of a mouthful, first ever environmental and community project advisor. In short, that's an IWC ECPA, Francisca. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> And uh, of course, we're gonna we're, we're left to find out more, not only about Giselle's career, but of course also um, all her n numerous initiatives she's involved with, and then the journey she has started to undertake with IWC. Giselle, hello, how are you? I'm so good. How are you? Nice being here I'm with good, you thank guys. You. Yes, thank you for joining us. And wh where are you dialing in from today? Um, I am in the Bahamas. Beautiful day over here. Beautiful, bright, sunny day. And, um, Very nice. Yes. Where are you? So I'm actually in a Mercedes-Benz studio in Munich in Germany. And Franziska, where are you? I'm in Schaffhausen at the heart of IWC. Oh. Good. <laughs> Very good. Now, before we kick things <laughs> off, Giselle, we've got to do the absolutely compulsory risk check as we do every single time. May I ask you not only what time it is where you are, but what you're wearing on your wrist today? All right. So where I am is 9.38 a.m., and actually, today I'm wearing the new IWC Pilots Watch Chronograph 41. Wow. Oh. Yeah. That, I, 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 is that on a strap or is that on a metal bracelet or is it? Um... No, it's actually on a Miratex strap, the sustainable Miratex strap that I love. So, yeah, that's what I'm wearing. Yeah. Very, very nice. I'm sure I'm, I can't wait to see that uh, in real life. I'm so fascinated now that we've got this 41 millimeter chronograph. It looks so good on many, many more wrists. It's just amazing what this kind of opening up of the, the size envelope uh, does in terms of the watches becoming more versatile. Did you ever think you were going to find an IWC that, you know, sort of as a sports watch sits right on your wrist? I mean, that's that's pretty new, huh? No, it looks beautiful. And, and you know, I'm, since I'm like a lover of like, how do we think, do things better? I was so fascinated to, to, to hear how they did the Miratex strap, you know, with the cork powder and mineral, mineral colorants. So it's, um, I'm very excited that that can be done, you know, too. So it looks good and it feels good to wear because it's, it's a thoughtful in every way, you know, IWC, I think is really focused on making things in the most thoughtful way. And the, makes me feel good wearing it. It looks good and it makes me feel good. So that's a win for me. Yeah. Well, at least at least I've actually seen this watch in this configuration. You know, every time I travel mm -hmm. to different countries and boutiques, I always discover things I've never seen. What are you wearing today, Francisca? I'm wearing the Portuguese chronograph 
steel on a steel steel bracelet. Very beautiful. There you go. That's fantastic. So tell us a little bit, uh, Giselle, what are you up to at the moment? What are your, your projects you've got on your plate? I know you're incredibly busy on all fronts. So what are you up to at the moment? Always, it's, uh, what am I not doing? You know, I'm always learning, you know, I think that's, I'm a forever student. So I'm very curious about finding ways that we can be living in a more thoughtful way and more, you know, in harmony with nature. So I'm working at this moment in a project called Biomes, which is really to help bring biodiversity back, um, in different biomes in Brazil. So, it's uh, Cerrado, Caatinga, Atlantic, uh, you know, the Amazon, the Atlantic forest, the Pantanal, just different ecosystems that are very important for the equilibrium of life on earth, right? And, and I, it's been a very fascinating project because we have been going to different parts of Brazil and learning and really, you know, seeing where communities can play a big role in, you know, because it, it really is a big educational component to it too, because if you go there and you regenerate the environment and, you know, plant the trees back. And then with that, you know, water quality gets better, you know, the animals come back because now they have, you know, trees and they have an ecosystem that is, you know, functioning, they can come back and everything starts becoming in harmony. But then if you have the communities on the side, they're not aware of the importance of, you know, protecting biodiversity, then we have the destruction starts happening again, right? So it's a real, Hmm. it's, it's a project that is, it is regenerating different biomes, but it's, very closely also working with with an educational program for schools so they can go hand in hand together and then life can be better for everybody because when nature is healthy humans can be healthy we thrive when nature thrives and vice versa right yeah so 100 percent that's you've been um, very vocal on deforestation you know for for many many years which is which is which is amazing so you know often often there seems to be this sort of uh, contradiction in in those habitats where the economic uh, prospering and survival of the indigenous people you know has, has sort of been always in a little bit at a at a you know sort of uh, not quite disagreeing with environmental preservation how how do you find a way out of that how do you ensure that that communities can prosper that people can have live uh, a prosperous and fulfilled lives and at the same time protecting the habitats around them? My experience has been, you know, when I've seen indigenous communities, they usually have the least impact in nature, right? They're the ones really living. We can learn so much from them because they're living uh, really in harmony and, and, you know, they don't leave any trace behind. There's no waste, you know, they use everything Mm. that comes from nature and everything goes back to nature. So it's kind of like this cycle is perfect. Um, The way the places, the tribes that I visit, the natives, is usually... Things that are happening around it, you know, with pesticides from agriculture, the runoffs goes into the rivers and that creates disease. And you have, you know, the, the mercury going into for mining, you know, there is a lot of all the outside factors that that is not really, you know, there's nothing the natives can really do about, correct? Because it's something that's been done by society. So it's really about really seeing our consumption, you know, as people, because I think when we think of that, it's something so like overwhelming because everywhere you look, there is things to be fixed, right? But I Mm. think it's important to think about how we are doing our consumption, you know, how are we consuming consciously as and start becoming more educated and what is the impact of what we are choosing and how that has an impact in the world around us. You know what I mean? It's like the questions we need to keep having to ask ourselves, I feel. Yes, 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think this was, was also really the link when we started talking that, uh, you know, for, for you, obviously, it's, it's a major concern to see how we can live in such a way that the impact beyond our time leaves something greater than we found to be enjoyed and, and hopefully lived in by, by future generations. And that's something, you know, we have to think about a lot as a, as a luxury brand because we've been making mechanical timepieces in Schaffhausen for over 150 years. They are products that are designed to be, you know, as sustainable as possible in terms of, you know, the, the energy and the work that's going into the product, the material that we're using, but of course, also the fact that we design products that are made to last forever. You know, there's not that many categories today, I think, where we're designing things that are actually consciously designed not to be replaced by the latest update in two years' time, that don't fail on you in 10 years so we can sell you another one, that are really actually designed to last forever, to be handed down, to be gifted, to be passed on to different generations. And so we do have to think about, you know, minimizing the impact of those products to make sure that when people treat themselves to a product like that, they can really feel good around that in every single way. And I think that's when our conversation uh, started, and maybe Francisca, I hand it over to you at that point to uh, speak a little bit um, with Giselle and explain to our listeners what uh, the role is going to be and how we will evolve going forward at RWC. I mean, the role of Giselle, and we are really grateful for, for it, Giselle, is, as you said, Chris, the ECPA, so that's the Environmental Community and Community Project Advisor, but that means that you, Giselle, are really consulting our sustainability committee. And this is because you have this very long experience, 20 years. And as we did our materiality analysis for our latest report, biodiversity and communities is where we really would like to focus and give an extra effort for now the years to come. So there it's really great that we can partner with you and that you can support us in, in really finding the right projects in these regards. And, you know, I, I just feel very honored to be uh, a part of the team because I feel that that's how we create the, the biggest impact is through collaboration, mm -hmm. right? It's through, and this is why I love that you have the, the sustainability report that you're doing because it really shows like how you are having the impact in a very practical way, right? You, 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 and this can also serve as an example for other corporations, you know, to, to really think of it in that way, to really think of it, what are we producing and how is the most thoughtful and responsible way of producing something? We all want to have beautiful things. And obviously, if they last, it, to have a watch that can last forever and it can be passed on from father to son and to, it goes, it, it keeps going down the, the, the line, you know, it's, it's just, what a beautiful thing because it not only is, it has history, right? It has a sentiment that is more important than anything you can just buy and, and replace with something new. You know, it has someone wore it and then the next person wore it and it just becomes this beautiful energy that is in this piece, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I feel that I was very excited to, to come in and, and learn about everything that IWC is, do, is doing on the sustainability and, you know, the community part, because I feel that one is not separate in the other. Like I said, you know, like if we are nature and when nature is in equilibrium, so are our lives can be and vice, you know, and vice versa. If we as people like look at Bhutan as a country, you know, as a country that really values different 
measures of success, which is not money, power, and fame, but it's more about like the quality of life and nature. And they plant a tree for every kid that's born, you know, like it's just a different type of, I don't know. I just think we have to think about, we are the guardians, you know, of this earth. And we came, we have a limited amount of time here. And my goal, and I see that IWC's goal is like, how do we leave the place better than when we found it? How do we contribute? Yeah. How we come and create beautiful things, but in a way that is like responsibly so we can always feel good about leaving a better world than when we find it because we made decisions that were thoughtful. And this is what you guys are doing, you know, as a company. And I'm just happy to, to keep learning from you guys as well and also share what I've learned in hopes that we can always, you know, keep expanding and keep doing it in a way that is considerate of our planet and our communities. And this is how, and I think that's the, that's what every company should be doing, mm -hmm. to be honest yeah. with you. So it's wonderful to be with IWC and, ha and see you guys lead the way in your, in your field, in your area. I think it's a, it's really, really important what you, what you mentioned there about, you know, each of us finding the place where we can have an impact to leave the planet in a little bit better shape than, than when we found it. Because yes. when you think about your industry, obviously you're a veteran of the fashion industry and, and you've experienced firsthand this industry similar to luxury that is always ultimately also about consumption it's also about newness and there are inherent uh, challenges of course with anything that basically talks about virgin material production consumption change cyclical uh, seasons etc etc so maybe just if you if you don't mind um, explaining a little bit in your background in your industry um, what you observed what you experienced and how that uh, you know changed your thinking and, and how you think an industry like luxury or fashion can really evolve forward to to uh, have a more sustainable footprint and to just you know evolve in, in a positive way first of all it comes through quality it's not about quantity but about quality when you make something that is really well made it can last forever right if you you can make a watch that is really not well made and you break the first time and you have to buy a new one right you you are really making something with the intention of being really well made and how is made, you know, with you using clean energy to, to, to produce it, you using everything you can from the straps to like, you know, what you can reuse on the watch. If somebody comes over there and you have a something broken, the watch that you can fix it. You're not trying to sell them a new watch. You're saying, okay, let's fix this. So it's, it's about reduce, reuse, recycle, right? It's about really being mindful of that. And I think fashion, you know, I have pieces in fashion that I have for since I'm 19, 15 years old, you know, if things are really well made, they can last a long time, you know, and also how they're made because, you know, you've, you've watched the movie, the true cost of fashion, you know, it's, and, yeah. and the, the huge impacts that that has on, on not only in our environment, but hugely a social impact and the poverty that is around that. And, and it's very, you know, obviously fast fashion. It's, it's, the opposite of that, because it's not about the quality, it's about the quantity and it's about always giving the newness. And the, and the thing about, I don't know for you, but, you know, every time somebody goes and buys something new or when, or when I go, when you, you know, and you have that instant gratification of that moment, oh, it feels good to get it. But I, to, you know, after you have it, it's like that a feeling is gone, really, you know. So then you keep feeling like it's an addiction. It can be an addiction. You go for more. And in the end, that stuff is just about the, the, the quantity. But when you look in your closet... 
you're really wearing like 5% of what you have. Yes. Mm-hmm. Still have so nothing it's, to wear. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you're like, oh my God, I have nothing to wear, but you have a full closet, you know? So it's really about, for me, in the way I do it, it's like I have key pieces that I feel really good about. And then I just, and that's what I wear. Like I'm a very basic person. It's about simplicity. Quite frankly, I believe simplicity is the new luxury. You know, it's like to have something, simplicity is not means that it's not quality made. You know, it's, it's about high quality, but simple in a way that is like, you don't need so many. You need that is high quality that you can have for a long time. And then you know it looks good and you always you're going to go for that in your closet. You're always going to go for the same stuff. So instead of just buying all this different stuff, maybe work on yourself. Because I think when you can feel, I'm a big practitioner of yoga and meditation and all those things. And I feel like that brings so much fulfillment. It brings so much self-awareness. Um, and I think when you do the inner work, suddenly what comes from the outside is not as fulfilling because you find the joy comes from within. So none of those the cons- you're not unbalancing your consumption, right? Because when you do consume, you, you're able to make more of the, you know, uh, like a more conscious choice because you are in that state within. Because simply what's in is what's out, right? It's a reflection. <laughs> so I think yeah. society has become so distanced from themselves and so diff in, 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 as a whole of the values of, and, and then it became like, I need all this consumption to feed a part of myself that I don't, that if is empty, you know, but if you find that fulfillment within, suddenly those things from the outside don't bring the same. It just changes how the, the, the satisfaction that it brings you. I think it's all about becoming more conscious and more aware. Like we talked about, you know, we all going to have an impact. If we're alive, we're going to have an impact. We're just going to have to decide what kind of impact we're going to have. And if the more conscious we are, the chances are we're going to make better choices and chances are we're going to have a positive impact versus the contrary, you know? Yeah, and I, I do often wonder as well when, when, when we speak about outfits and, and what you're saying, I, I totally agree, but I, I sometimes feel like there should be a campaign on social media one day about uh, consciously wearing the same outfit twice because I, I do feel... Oh, I do that I every day. I wear, this, <laughs> yeah, I wear the same outfit the entire week. I'm like, if it's not dirty, I'm not washing. <laughs> no, but we should have a hashtag for that, you know, because it, you know... It puts, yeah. It put, you, you have this, you know, on the one hand, we're all trying to be more sustainable, but then there's also this kind of social media no-go of appearing, you know, in the same But it's a new choice, world. And I think we have to work on that. We really have to work on that. And you know what? It's exactly, sorry, I, I have to say one thing about that because yeah. that is exactly what is the conditioning that people, and with the social media, Instagram and all these different things, that people want to just like, you know, wear something because it's about having the approval of something outside of yourself. You yeah. see, because people want to wear because they want to be maybe accepted and they, and they feel like everyone else is doing it. So I have to have a new look every day or I have to have. And that's quite frankly, insane and unsustainable, like a way of life, you know, and, and yes, that's exhausting. Like who wants to do that? You know, rarely I buy something new and every time I buy something new, I donate. Like I never buy something. If something comes in my closet, something has to get out of my closet. That's something that I do as a practice that I feel is. You know, then you're not always clutter with stuff and it makes you more conscious little by little too of, of like, what do you really need? You know, how much do we really need? We need to ask ourselves that question, I think. Mm. Yeah, so my problem is more 
or is like the things I had in my closet for 20 years, I can't quite do up the buttons anymore. But that's, that's, a, separate, <laughs> that's a separate problem. <laughs> no, I, I want to just highlight, uh, mention one thing, Giselle, you know, that, that's, that's something I, I notice a lot, you know, as a, as a CEO of a luxury company, I come across this problem quite, quite a bit. You know, we, if, first of all, like the, the, the whole climate change that we're witnessing every single day and the environmental dis- destruction that we can already see that is, is live and real, a lot of the responses to to that, it has a lot to do with people not doing things they enjoyed anymore. You know, it's about less traveling, it's about less eating out, it's about less consumption. And and it's it's very hard to often find the the, the dream in that. Huh? Because ultimately the dream is look, we have to you know to save this planet, which is a very grand and important dream, but it's often changing people's habits in a way that aren't immediately perceived as something really great to buy into. And and you know, our job if we want to be part of this change and what Francisca also has to balance every single day in advertising versus sustainability is to go forward in a way that is inspiring, that is cool, that people want to buy into and ultimately that makes doing something positive for the planet also a, a consumer behavior that is, is ultimately positive. What, what do you think about that and how do you go, how can we go about that? This, this, the threat of um, climate change and destruction doesn't become something that is so big and, and, and anonymous, but also so uh, scary in a sense that we're kind of trying to cocoon up in our old habits for as long as we can and think, well, maybe it's still going to last for me, which is not the behavior we're looking for. Well, you know, I think that first, I think we need to understand that we are not really saving our planet. We are saving ourselves because we have many civilizations that live on this planet before us. They are gone, right? They, we don't, there's no traces of them. And, and I feel like the planet is Dinosaur. this beautiful. Yeah. I mean, dinosaurs, Lemurians, Atlantis, you know what I mean? The Egyptian, I mean, there is been, you know, we're still trying to figure out how they put the, those pyramids up, you know what I mean, in the Egypt times, like, like the technology that they needed to do that. If you think about the different civilizations that are no longer here, you know, I think that it's really about honoring the planet and living in harmony with the planet, because quite frankly, we li- it's like, I, I believe that heaven or hell is here, right here today. We can live in heaven if we're living in harmony with nature and we can live in hell if we're not. Right. Because if we deplete our natural resources and we don't have access to water, like you, you see in, in India, for example, you see what's going on with migration of people like, um, you know, we're doing all this, this project of regeneration of soil. Like in India, the farmers, there was 30,000 uh, farmers that committed suicide the last 10 years because the soil, the depletion of nutrients in the soils and they can no longer have the way of life they had. We have, you know, look at Syria, you know, we have so much migrations of people from the country too, because you start seeing these big migrations happen because, you know, it finishes the water. How can they live without water? How can they have, how can they grow food? How can they do anything? So they migrate and now we have refugee crisis everywhere. You know, it's not just because of wars. It's also because of the, you know, it's because of scarcity of natural resources because of they weren't, you know, you, you go in your clear cut forest and now you dry your springs and now the springs cannot feed into the rivers and now you no longer have water, you know? So it's really as humans, it's, it's just really becoming, it, I, I keep saying like awareness, it's, it's really huge. It's becoming, instead of becoming overwhelmed, because it is, you know, sometimes it's like climate change. The climate is always changing. You know, it's like, that's, that's part of it, It's what's happening is natural resources and biodiversity, because it's like, if we're all there, there is, you know, it's like your, your body, for example, we need to understand this. You have a, you have lungs, you have a heart, you have all these different 
organs in your body who are essential for the, for you to be able to function as a human. If they go away and they say, okay, let's remove your lungs. Let's remove your heart. That's no you. This doesn't exist. It's impossible. You can just remove an organ and say, okay, now keep living. This is the same thing as our planet. We can keep eliminating biodiversity and think that we are going to have equilibrium because one, each system, each, each being that exists in this planet has a role. It doesn't matter how small or big they are. It's, it's here and it's doing a function that is very important for the balance of life on earth. So we can all continue to be enjoying being in this beautiful planet. And, and, and we in the top, we are on the top of the food chain because we are the ones who have, you know, with technology, with our choices that we really have the impact, the fish or the elephants or they, you know, what are they going to do? You know, <laughs> like they are just living their lives and we are the ones overfishing. We are the ones, you know, it's all about the lack of consciousness. I think it comes down to that. I think if everybody takes responsibility to understand what the impact they're having and, and, and choose companies, for an example, IWC, Patagonia, like different companies who are really like doing their processes in a very thoughtful way. Now they're voting for a better future. You see, because they are, because the corporations are really, they're going to, the ones that are going to have the bigger impacts because they're the ones that are producing everything, right? From food to clothing, to luxury watches, to everything. So if companies really can, can be thoughtful in the way they are producing, and this is why it's incredible, your sustainability report, because you're, is an open source where you can show other companies how you're doing your part and hopefully inspire more companies to do their part. And that's how I think we're going to move the needle. And then for the consumers to, you choose which your purchase, right? Because you can buy from IWC or you can buy from another, from another company who's not going through those processes and having those considerations. And therefore, if, if you think as a consumer buying from, from corporations who are thoughtful and who are focusing on making you know, the least negative impact in really reversing and, and, and re, you know, reintroducing like, you know, their focus is on, on sustainability and how to do the, in the best for that. I think that's how you, you can really contribute as an individual. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that balance you just mentioned, I think is absolutely key because uh, we take so many things for granted as, as human beings, as consumers. And I think even, you know, the environmental and, and impacts we're seeing, the, the water shortages we're seeing, the, oh, yeah. the flooding, the torrentious rain, all the rest of it uh, are, are first indicators of what is to come. And at the same time, even human-made events uh, like the recent uh, conflict we've witnessed uh, show us just how fragile that global supply chain is of fuel, of food, of everything. You know, it takes us the tiniest impact and it all gets out of kilter. And as you say, you know, it's it's awareness that we need to work on. And the key part for that awareness, of course, is transparency. You know, we had yes. you know, many things. I think recently, um, when I look back, many of the products that are now short in the world, I had no idea where they actually came from, how they're being produced. And it's only when something goes tragically wrong that we start to ask questions and find out. And even at me internally, you know, I asked my team a couple of questions and you know, it turns out sometimes, you know, we still have work to do to even understand where some ingredients to our raw materials are coming from. And I think this is something where, where I wanted to speak to and, and give the word to Francisca briefly, because transparency is one of our key fundamentals that we've put into our sustainability strategy. Francisca, maybe you want to t tell our listeners a, a couple of words about what we're doing uh, since the WWF report to, to really focus on transparency. 
Yes, please. First of all, um, everything we produce, everything we do, everything we leave behind is guided by our purpose. And this is engineering beyond time. And there we have then three guiding principles. So it's transparency, circularity and responsibility. And transparency, as we just discussed, is one of the most, most important topics in in sustainability that we clearly show where we are in our journey and show what we do and show where we can still improve so this is the the strongest guiding guiding principle when we look at our watches for instance each watch of IWC Schaffhausen has the Probus Cafusio seal on it so that means it's really proudly produced right here in Schaffhausen and nearly 100% of our primary suppliers are based in Switzerland which gives a very strong commitment as well We mentioned it before, we have now an annual reporting cadence to our sustainability report, which means we open our window to have a dialogue, to really speak to all the different stakeholders and and hear their thoughts and and push us further further in our own sustainability journey. And then we commit to, for instance, the audits of the RJC, the Responsible Jewelry Council. We have achieved the, the, the chain of custody where we really show traceability for precious metal components on our watches. And then we ensure that we work with trusted suppliers and that we can trace our watch components really to the origin end to end. And I think this is what we owe our customers, that we give this full transparency into the producing of of our watches. Now, remember when we designed the new manufacturing center in Schaffhausen, you were really early on a strong advocate for making it very transparent and for giving visitors and fans of IWC really full access to every single part of the uh, manufacturing process. What was your thinking behind that? I think it's important that we really show from from the sketchbook to the rest what happens, how is your, your product produced, where is the material coming from, that we do really openly show how we produce here in Schaffhausen because then it is the strongest commitment we can give because as we discussed earlier, I mean, this companion in life is forever and ever on your wrist survives all of us if treated well. And that means that is the best commitment we can give that we transparently show every single step in the value chain that goes into this beautiful timepiece. And I remember there were people saying to us in the beginning, you know, when they visit our headquarters, they were like, so where do you produce your watches? And we're <laughs> yes. like, well, right here. <laughs> here like, in Schaffhausen. Yeah. So, I mean, Switzerland is not really known for a low-wage uh, uh, manufacturing uh, economy. So why do you think Florentine Ariesta Jones all those years ago chose the heart of Switzerland, well, not the heart of Switzerland, east of Switzerland, but as a base to make uh, watch movements for the American market? And there's this wasn't the, the the cheapest way of making things, was it? <laughs> I think back in that time, it was one of the components, but they were the most skilled people uh, producing um, precious timepieces already in Switzerland. So it was, again, quality over price by Mr. Jones himself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's a smart man. He really was a smart man. Um, no, and obviously, Giselle, you know, we, we're very, very, very honored and pleased that that you're joining us in this journey because we often find, you know, we, we suffer in our industry sometimes from having looked at mechanical watches for 150 odd years. Sometimes we, we don't see the forest for all the trees, uh, uh, to use that uh, that picture. Um, I mean, you must get approached all the time by organizations to, to, to help on their various projects. How do you pick the organizations and projects that you, you choose to work with? You know, I always feel like because there's such diverse areas, you know, I, I feel the ones that have the real, like, true intention 
you know, they really feel like they want to make the difference and they are really focused and social and environmental, creating the biggest impact in the social and environmental areas, which are the areas that I, <laughs> you know, I'm passionate about. And, uh, and that can go, can go from a project like Kiss the Ground, which is, you know, this documentary that I produce. Actually, if you haven't seen it yet, it would be something incredible for you to watch and watch it with your kids or it's called Kiss the Ground is on Netflix. And it talks about the whole, um, the, the story of the soil, because in the end of the day, you know, everything comes from, like everything starts on the soil. If the soil is healthy, we can be healthy, right? Because we are consuming our food from the soil. Then if the soil is nutrient, full of nutrients, the nutrient is going to transfer to our food. So we really kind of, you know, I, I work with organizations, you know, like that producing, uh, you know, documentaries to bring awareness again, to how people shop and how they become aware of what's really in their food, because, you know, we are what we eat as well. So it's very important. You know, I work with projects, Chinese, which is an, which is a project we work for children in schools to learn about nature, to, to connect back to nature, because today in the age of technology, you know, kids are sitting in front of a computer and all their, they, they, they spend so much time with electronics that there, you know, when we were kids, we were out there, you know, I don't know about you, but my parents were like, go outside and come back before it's dark, you know? And yeah, they locked, you just, they locked the door, I know. Yeah, oh. they were like, don't come back in. <laughs> I don't want to see you before the sun is down. So, you know, so, but it was a, I mean, what a gift, you know? So we were there using our creativity, being in nature, learning, you know, falling off the tree and picking up the fruit from, you know? So there is this project on education that we are working also with children to basically... The focus is bringing them back to nature and reconnecting them to nature. So it's, it's really so many different varied uh, projects. You know, there's another company that I work with called Umbipar that I that I advise them that they, you know, they they take all the waste that different companies would just throw out otherwise, and they try to repurpose them. And and I think all of these different areas is for me the focus is is to where do I feel that I can I can help. You know, I can support that. I can share what I learn and really, you know, learn also from different various people and also connecting the dots. Sometimes I meet, you know, I'm working with you on a project and then I know, you know, a light bulb goes on and I'm like, oh my God, that's like a project that I saw here that, you know, they should connect. So I connect people as well because it, that's what is important. I believe in the power of collaboration and that's how we are stronger. So my goal is to always keep learning and then sharing what I learn with as many people as possible and connecting the, the dots from, from this company to this company and just kind of getting more and more people on this, on this common goal, which is to how we can all have a positive impact on our stay here on earth. <laughs> so that's to, um, congratulate you and applaud you for using your platform to really advocate a change because obviously you reach millions and millions of, of people. You know, you are an influencer in the truest sense of the word, you know, long before the term influencer became popular. But ultimately, you know, you're, you're such a role model. You're having an impact on how people are thinking, how they're behaving, how they're consuming. And it's a conversation we often have with Lewis as well. And I, I watched him in a, in a panel talk with Stormzy, the musician from the UK the other day. And I think it's amazing when when people who have really, really achieved a lot in their lives uh, use their platform to speak out for positive change. So that that's that's really that is so valuable today, especially as we just discussed, you know, people are so influenced by what they see on social media. So so 
how's your experience been? That platform clearly has helped a lot to to make a difference, hasn't it? Yeah, I think there's always the two sides to everything. You know, in life, I don't think everything is like the yin and the yang, right? I think it can be used for good and it can be used also to, like we were talking about, the overconsumption. You know, it just depends of where your focus is on, is where your value is on, right? If you can use, you can use it to share wonderful examples of, of things that are happening, like what you are doing, you know, in preserving, in preserving natural habitats and supporting local communities or what, you, how you're doing as all the positive, t- positive things that you're doing to share and to be able to inspire others. But you can also use to say, like every day I'm wearing this, you know, I have to look a certain way. And, you know, unless you can make people also desire those things that ultimately don't bring you happiness. Right. So I think really it's, it has done both, you know, also like, for example, in my time, I come from fashion, you know, we were able to, you know, to take pictures and they weren't retouched. Like you actually look like yourself, right. When you look at a picture, you're like, oh, this is that person. Today you see people and you meet them in person. Like, well, that's who are you? Like, you're definitely not that, you know? So I'm glad you say that. The power of FaceTune. That happens to me. Oh, my gosh. Somebody in real life. I go, uh, have we met? And they're like, yeah, from Instagram. Like, oh. Oh, I know. Isn't it interesting? Like, it's, it's like, who are you? And you're like, oh, did that person? So, but that is very, it's a, so that's the other side of it, right? So yes, it's a wonderful platform that you can share a lot of positive stuff, but it's also a platform that for, for, especially for the younger generation is like making you feel like you have a distort, distortion, like of yourself, of reality, because no one looks like that with perfect skin, with no pores, with, you know what I mean? It's like, um, it's, uh, so it's, it's, I think, Always there is two sides of everything and it's just w- where our attention is going and how we are choosing to use those tools that we, that we have in our disposal, which, you know, social media could be a great tool if used in a responsible uh, way, uh, could be incredible, you know, but it can also do the other, the opposite if it's done in a way that is unconscious. So it goes back to, it goes back to being conscious, you know, everything in life. I think you can always make better choices and kind of go in the, in a path that will bring ultimately more joy. If we are more conscious, the more conscious, the more just, you know, the more we can make choices that would support our happiness. I think. As you in said, the end of the day. learning is consciousness, is it's education and it's ultimately making better choices. Um, for, yes. talking about perfect skin, Francisco, that's a perfect hand over to you. Um, you know, Francisco, we talked a lot about it, it being a journey and it being step by step. It's a process, you know, it's not an end result. So you recently released our uh, 2022 sustainability report, which is another milestone report of, of what's changed since the last one and what we're working on at the moment. Give our listeners a quick overview of what the sort of the key uh, topics are where RBC is working on at the moment and, and where, where we got to so far. Yes, I think I start with what we have achieved in the, in the last cycle over the past two years. I spoke a bit about the responsible jewelry council and the chain of custody. We have achieved the certification that we can trace down the watch components on precious metal. Then we switched uh, to purchase only 100% renewable energy globally, which has been a big step as well in our manufacturing center. We have 
2,200 square meters of solar panels, for instance. Then we maintained a great place to work certification, which is a big, big achievement. That's for the second time now, where 86% of our employees rate IWC as a, as a great place to work. A huge, huge achievement. Then we achieved in June our equal salary certification for Switzerland. Then we developed a blueprint for sustainable events. So sustainable events, a, a framework with specific criteria for sourcing and purchasing, so energy used and labor and the recycling and transportation. So that's all uh, included into the, the sustainable event guidelines. In March um, 22, uh, we already, or in March, April, we already used it then for the Watches and Wonders uh, exhibition or, or fair. And here we track and trace really what, what footprint we have and we offset, of course, everything. And we reuse the material, for instance, uh, the containers we used for our exhibition. They are now traveling the world in our roadshow. So what we cannot immediately reuse, we gift and donate to organizations. So that is a very strong commitment as well. And then we talked before, um, Giselle, about the, the strap you have on your beautiful watch. It's a mirror text. That's a, a very new material which we just launched. It's uh, composed of plants and minerals, including FSC-certified natural rubber, fillers, including cork powder and mineral, mineral colorants. Uh, it contains no, no petrochemicals or plastic, and it, it is less resources intensive than uh, any animal or s s synthetic leather. It's a low carbon uh, footprint product and it's recyclable and even circular. So this is all uh, topics we have achieved. And as I said before, we are very transparently and open towards our audience. And we have already committed that we will now report on a, on a yearly base so that uh, all our different audiences can see what we achieved and what we actually, what brings us to the next big step in our journey. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> by the way, I just want to say how amazing that is because, Thank you. you know, you were mentioning too, like about transparency and how that's key. It, it needs, I feel like transparency, it really is the number one, because how do you know, you know, like today with so much propaganda and people saying, you know, to have a report and, to, you know, to be very serious about this and to be able to have transparency and have pe people being able to track where are all the resources are coming from. That's what every corporation should be doing. And here you, sh you just stated an incredible example of all the different areas that you are looking at and thoughtfully creating positive, you know, um, impact just because you're thinking about it and you're committed to it. And, and, and this is, it's just, I, I'm just very happy <laughs> that you're doing that. And I wish that that just sprinkles to every other corporation that feels that inspired by your actions and thinks about doing the same, because that's what we need. And you I know? agree, you know, with this transparency once you open up and you really commit yourself to transparency, there's anyhow no way back, right? Your audience exactly. expects you to be transparent and that is the, the best guiding force. Yes, it really is. And you can feel really good about it that you're working for a company that you're doing, you know, that you're doing good, that you don't have, you know, how horrible if it's just to feel, to feel like you're cheating people or like yes, you're lying agree. about, you know, like you can feel light, you can feel at peace, you can feel happy. 
because you can be transparent. I mean, it's, it's wonderful. It is, and maybe a question to both of you. How, how will you concretely work together now as part of the Sustainability Committee and all the wider-ranging initiatives for IWC? How will that look practically? So Giselle will be... Sorry, we'll be invited yeah. no, you to, go our, ahead. <laughs> to our sustainability committee in September. And where we really now work together is finding the right project for biodiversity and communities. I mean, these are the two topics we really want to partner now with Giselle and get her input. Yes, I, I'm just learning from, I'm just excited because like with every experience, with every partnership, I learn so much. And, and I'm always, um, I'm such a curious person and I love learning because I think that's how we get better. You know, we learn from, from what is working and what's not working. We learn as much from what's not working as well, what hasn't worked. You know, I think this is, it's, it's always, um, inspiring to me to see companies like IWC and really how many boxes you check in the whole circular, um, econ really economy, like the way you repurpose things also in how you're making a watch is not only in how you are doing the straps in a sustainable way, but really the, how you're sourcing all the materials. And I feel that I hope that I can contribute with all the last 20 years and learning what I've been learning and just kind of unite forces to in any of the different areas. Like I said, I'm working on the biodiversity programs in Brazil with communities for the different systems in country to how do we regenerate that and work closely with communities so can they can be a part of it because that's, you know, very important through education. I'm very excited because I feel like we have a lot of things that we are going to be able to work on and create a, a beautiful impact. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to what's and, ahead. And us too. <laughs> Yeah, no, oh. it's, it's very, very exciting. <laughs> like if our listeners and if all of us can make one difference today, Giselle, what should we start doing straight away? I would say the biggest impact we have is to be conscious with the way we consume, really, because it comes down to consumption, you know? It comes down to become everything we've been talking about. It's like how, like how much do we really need? And when we buy something, who are we buying it from? Like, and what's, if we're buying from corporations, they are having the, you know, conscious practices and they have as a guiding light, uh, sustainability and we are going to vicariously be creating positive change because we are making those choices. So I think in all the different areas, you know, from, from, for anything we buy from food to clothing, to watches, to, you know, everything to really choose corporations, uh, that are, thoughtfully doing things, you know, that they're thinking the way you're thinking, basically. Francisco? For me, it's exactly the same point. Uh, for me, it's really using your power as a customer. So questioning what we are buying, asking how the products are manufactured, where they are coming from, and really pushing the organizations and companies to do the right thing and to do better. So that the power of, of us as customers every day. Yeah, and if you want to experience that with Francisca, I suggest uh, going out for lunch with her and her studying <laughs> the menu and asking 
or poor people in the restaurant about every ingredient. It's quite an experience. So don't go too hungry. Make sure you've eaten before. It's going to take a while. <laughs> Talking about buying from corporations and buying for people and gifting and all the rest of it, Giselle, I have to ask you, because your start with the you know, IWC journey many years ago involved a very thoughtful gift. And I think it's quite a unique story. Would you mind sharing that with us? Yes, I, you know, it's, it's so funny how life, you know, comes full circle, right? It's, it's, it's funny how life is. When I met my husband, he was 29 years old and he, you know, it was going to be his 30th birthday. I just had met him, like it's been a few months and, and I was in love and I was like, I wanted to give him something really special. It was his 30th birthday and I was in New York and I was like, what am I going to give him? Like he can get anything, right? He can buy anything. What do I give him that is really special that he can be memorable and, so I, I went to a, a watch store in, in, in New York and I say, you know, my boyfriend is turning 30 and I want to give him the most special gift, you know, for, for his 30th birthday. What can I give him? Like, you know, can you show me some of your watches? And he showed me all the watches. And I remember seeing this IWC Portuguese watch. It was so beautiful with like the brown leather strap. And, and it, I was, I was like, wow, this is amazing. It was, um, you know, it was like a love. I was like, wow. He's, I think if, I think he's going to like me. <laughs> no, I was like, he has to like me after I give him this watch. He's going to have to, <laughs> you know, and I, and I was like, and then I engraved it, you know, happy 30th birthday. And it was very special because, you know, even though he loves watches and he has so many watches, it makes me so happy every time he wears it because I know that, you know, it's like a special moment in, 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 it, it just brings memories. It's not just a material thing. It's like, yes, it is a beautiful product, inc incredibly well made, but it makes me so happy that he has it and he wears it. And it's from that time, you know, t we've been together for almost 16 years and, and that piece is going to pass along to my children, you know? So I, I just feel, and here I am now with you. So it's pretty funny <laughs> because that was like so long ago. <laughs> and uh, we were just talking about that the other day and, and, um, yeah, so we we have IWC in our life, and, and that's definitely going to be something that passes along to my children. Like my IWC watches is going to pass on to my daughter, and, and I love that, you know? And most importantly, the gift as an expression of your love clearly worked <laughs> 16 years. I mean, it's working exactly. So it's a good, it was a good luck charm. <laughs> and he's also, you know, as a brand ambassador, the first thing he said to me, he said, Oh, I don't need another watch. I already have one. It's beautiful. And I was like, See, that's, yeah, that's sustainable consumption right there. No, exactly. thank you. Thank you so much. It's great to talk to both of you. Thank you for, for giving us your time and your insight and, and everything that you do around our shared uh, commitment to leave this planet in a better shape than, than we found it. It's really, really nice to talk to you. Thank you, Giselle, for being with us today. Thank you for giving us your time. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. And thank you so much, Francisca. I had a lovely time. Thank you so much for, for your time. Thank you. Yes, thank Francisca, you. thank you for joining us today and illustrating to our listeners uh, the many, many, many little uh, bits on this journey to, to hopefully reducing our impact and improving things for our environment. Thank you very much. Wow. Speak soon. Thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Giselle, you know, we've, we've spoken to each other on Zoom and, and, and audio a couple of times now from different boutiques in the world. I think it was Arizona last time and it's in Munich this time. So maybe next time in real life. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. I would love that. Let's, let's, let's organize it. I would love that. 
Now, Giselle and Francisca, thank you so much. And to all our listeners, thank you for listening to this episode. You can download all the episodes of Partners in Time wherever you get your podcasts, online, on the app, on Spotify, and all those platforms. Stay tuned for another episode very soon. For now, that is it with Giselle and Francisca. Thanks a lot again. Speak to you soon.